Well, good morning, friends. This is podcast number 344. This is for Wednesday, August 4th. I have so much on my brain. Um, I've kind of gotten away from Mark a little bit to give you guys a break and to give you some messages along the way that I think are incredibly important. Uh, Grab your Bibles, turn to Colossians, and let me share a quote with you from Spurgeon. Colossians chapter 1, 13 through 15, and while you're looking at that, I want to share a quote with you from Spurgeon. Those who hope to be saved by trying their best know nothing of that glowing fervor, that hallowed warmth, the devout joy in God that come with salvation freely given according to the grace of God. Those who hope to be saved by trying their best, by their own efforts, Know nothing of that glowing fervor, that hallowed warmth, that devout joy in God that come with salvation freely given according to the grace of God. This morning I want to talk to you about um, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. Yes, I know I'm away from Mark, as I said earlier, but there's just so much on my mind. I hear pastors say, I've run out of material to preach, and that's why I used a lot of books, and I don't get it. I just don't get it. I quote from books, but there are 31,102 verses in the Bible, 31,102, 23,145 in the Old Testament, 7,957 in the New Testament about 27 verses per chapter. There is more material than you could preach in a lifetime. And so I don't get it when people talk about, I've run out of material, or how do you find material? Open up the Bible. There's just so much there. Over 30,000 verses. Now, do all of them preach? No, but they're all the Word of God. They're all the Word of God. God inspired God put in the Bible what he wanted to be put in the Bible as he spoke to men as they were writing. They used their personality, they used their backgrounds, but God superintended the writing of Scripture. And so in Colossians chapter 1, we run to these three verses, 13 through 15, and I want to talk to you about the fact that Jesus paid the price so you don't have to. So that I don't have to, as Spurgeon says, we don't. We can, we can enjoy the warmth and the glow and the fervor and the joy of the fact that Jesus paid the price for your sin and for mine, and therefore I don't have to. Once I come to Christ and I submit my life to Him, then I read this manual that He's presented to us, this love letter and this instruction book on how I should then live. But I didn't bring my salvation uh, into my life. God brought it in through his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, God the Father, the first he in verse 13, has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Why did he do that? Because we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were lost people 
We suffer from spiritual death and uncleanness, but God's grace heals both of those. He heals us from our lost condition. We are spiritually dead. We're physically alive, but we're spiritually dead outside of Christ and we're unclean. And God has done both of those things for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the purchase back. Redemption means to redeem. You see that on the bottom of a, of a coupon. It says to redeem this means to turn it in, to purchase something. We redeemed, we were redeemed, and we received the forgiveness of sins. We were purchased back by God. And then we receive the forgiveness of our sins. Verse 15, he, meaning Christ, this he, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn from all creation. Now people say, well, see, there Jesus is created. No, he's the firstborn. He went first. He was before. Turn to John chapter 1 and verse 1. I have a bunch of scriptures written down today. And someone said, I love to hear the pages turn on my podcast as you're turning pages. That's because I'm walking along through this with you. I have quite a few scriptures in front of me and some scriptures come to mind. But John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now skip down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who is this word of John 1, 1? It is Jesus Christ, who always was and who always will be. He's the one that paid the price for you and I on the cross of Calvary for your sin and for mine. He paid the price because we couldn't do it. He paid the price because the price was necessary to be paid. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. I'm jumping around on my little scripture sheet. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. Isaiah 53 is about the suffering servant. We've talked about it. Um, The Jews believe it's the nation of Israel, but it is singular here and it is Christ. Verse 5 of chapter 53 in Isaiah. But he was pierced for our transgressions, not his own, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. The price has been paid by Jesus Christ. He was the only one who could pay the price for our sin because he was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Did Jesus know that he would have to pay this price? Yes, he did. Let's look at John chapter 12 and verse 32. John chapter 12 and verse 32. Jesus says this, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. When he says all uh, be lifted up from the earth, he said this showing what kind of death that he was going to die. Verse 33, he knew the price and he willingly paid the price. He willingly paid the price. Um, Scripture just comes to mind here. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 12. 
stay with me today. I'm just kind of jumping back and forth, but these are important scriptures uh, for us to look at. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And why should we do this, and how can we do this? Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the founder of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith, of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God, um, at the throne of God. He paid the price so that you and I can walk in freedom. And what will we do with that price that Jesus paid for us? What will we do with that freedom? Why was it necessary for Jesus to, to come wrapped in human flesh? Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Back a few pages to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, Therefore, since the children, you and I, share in flesh and blood in a physical body, he himself likewise partook of the same things, wrapped himself in human flesh, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus paid the ultimate price because we had to pay um, a price if he didn't. If he didn't pay the price, you and I are still in our sins and there's a price to be paid. He paid the price and we must appropriate that price to our life. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Philippians 2, 5 says, Have this mind amongst yourselves, or in you, in another version, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Why did he not count it something to be grasped? Because he was already God. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, wrapping himself in human flesh, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, not just any death, the death on the cross. The ultimate price for your sin and mine was death. And the only one who could pay that price was somebody who was one, sinless, and two, he was completely holy, just, and righteous. And the only one who could do that was Christ. Turn to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 5 and verse 21. It says this, For our sake he made him, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a sweet exchange for us that God would make Jesus to be sinned, who never sinned, so that we could be the righteousness of God. How does that happen? There's this transference that happens when Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sin. Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, and we'll get ready to land this. Ephesians 2, 14, for he, Christ himself, is our peace, who has made us both one, meaning Jew and Gentile is one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so that making peace and he might reconcile us both to God in our body through the cross, in one body, excuse me, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What's the point of that scripture? God, through Jesus Christ and his death, has reconciled us back to God, and he's reconciled both Jews and Gentiles who will accept this uh, price that was paid. And it only could happen through Jesus on a cross, lifted up. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, Pilate had an inscription made and he put it above Jesus' cross. And that sounds unusual, but it isn't. Because what they would do is paint the crimes that were committed by the individual who was on that cross. And they would nail him above them. And what was nailed above Jesus' cross? Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. Uh, cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. That seems like flattery. And why in the world would it be nailed to the cross? Number one, it was a warning to anyone who would call themselves a king. Number two, he found no fault in him. But he gave in to the Jews to do this. But it was so much more. It was so much more than Jesus saying, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He is the price for your sin and for mine. And what should we do with that? The Bible says having this kind of knowledge and having this uh, knowledge that Jesus has died for us and, and, and spent his blood for your sin and for mine, what manner of men should we be? We should draw close to God. And how do we do that? We draw close to God through his word, and then we apply that word to our lives. And because of that, we learn more about the one who has given his life for our sin. Oh, I've read the Bible, Gary. I've read 31,102 verses. A love story to us and a manual and a prescription for us to live out our lives. I challenge you, I challenge you to spend more time in the word and get to know your Savior. Let's land this thing in prayer. In Numbers chapter six, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you until we talk again.